All right, welcome everybody. Thank you for joining us today online with Skyline Church. So glad that you are spending part of your weekend here with us. Again, my name is Jeff Nicoletti. I'm the lead pastor here, and we're so glad that you joined us online. Listen, wherever you are from, check in, say hi. We're so glad that you're here. Our our online hosts are there available for you. If you've got any questions, if you need prayer, we're here to connect with you. Listen, if you're new with us, if maybe this is your first First Sunday ever joining us online. There's a little button there that says new here. We'd love to connect with you, send you a little gift just for joining us here today online. And parents, don't forget, we've got a very special uh, kids resources put together for you. We've got online worship experiences for your kids available. Just head over to skylinechurch.cc and you can click on the Sky Kids online worship experience and, and join us there. And so we're going to pick up. We're going to read. Go, go ahead and get out something to write with, write on. You can get the Bible app out. You can get our app open and take some notes in there. I want to encourage you right now to lean into this portion of our worship experience. We're going to pick up in Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 26. It says this. It says, he also said, this, this is Jesus speaking, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. Can I, can I just say that, that Jesus knows the order in which things need to happen in our lives and that trusting him in, in one sense is allowing him not only to do what he wants, but when he wants to do it. So like there, there's an order to all of this. And when you get things out of order, they stop working. That's why spending your money before you tithe is a bad idea because it's out of order. Is, is that too soon in the, in the message for that? Uh, or, or, or that's why sex before marriage is a, is a dangerous proposition because it's too much too soon. And now he doesn't value you. Instead, he just objectifies you because there's an order to things. Uh, we, we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. My, my time with Jesus often goes a lot better when I start with thank you for what you've already done. I, I know that I have a need. I, I know that I've got some unresolved things in my life, but before anything else, I want to thank you. I might not like where I find myself, but I have breath in my lungs, and you said let everything that has breath praise you. So in spite of what I'm going through, I just want to give you some praise because there's an order to things. And so it says, as, as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come and some of us put the sickle to things too soon before it's had time to take root. And so we spend money to impress people and because we don't know when to use the things that Jesus has given us, we end up ruining the provision. So anyway, let's get, let's get back to where we were. And actually what I want to do today is I want to focus in on, on just a, a portion of this parable that we just read, really verses 27 and the, the start of verse 28, and we'll go back to it. It says, night and day, whether he, talking about the farmer, sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. And, and that's kind of where, where I want to sit today. There's a key phrase in there. It says, he does not know how. 
It says, all by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk and then the head and then the full kernel in the head. And as I thought about that, I got thinking about God's grace and his sovereignty. And so often I I can find myself staying up at night worrying about stuff. But if I could just get out of my own way and let him deal with it the way that he knows how, I'd be so much better off. Sometimes you just got to let the dirt do the work. You know, originally before, uh, as we were planning out this year, before all of this COVID-19 mess came and, and kind of threw all of our normal up into the air and, and we're in uncharted territory, before all that happened, we actually had a different plan for where we would be right now, what, what message series that we would be in. But, but to, be, to be honest, I've been so challenged in this series, this Fierce Jesus series, and I've heard from so many of you that you feel the same way. And so we've been in Mark's gospel really just kind of leisurely strolling through it because we're, we're not in a hurry. And, and as we've been there, we've been encountering this, this fierce Jesus. And my hope is that as we take a look at this, that our paradigm of Jesus is going to begin to shift. And, and that will in turn change our paradigm of what it means to follow him and, and what it means to be his church. And so we're just going to kind of hang out here a little bit longer. We're, we're going to stay in Mark for a little while because it's, it's molding us and it's shaping us so much so to the point that I think when all of this is done and, and we're back together again, meeting together, we're going to be a different church. We're going, to be, we're going to be a different people because, listen, if Jesus is fierce, then his church has to be fierce too. And so we've got this parable here in, in, in Mark chapter 4, and, and we haven't really looked at any of Jesus' parables yet. We've mainly focused on his healing and miracles, but it's also important that we understand the context of what he was teaching and, and what he was saying. And so, and as we've been looking at Jesus' teaching and, and at his ministry, we see that it's, it's putting him at odds and in conflict with the religious people, mainly because he's making an impact. And, and that really shouldn't be surprising because everything that makes an impact faces opposition. I, I, I might say it this way. If, if, if the devil isn't messing with you, he, he doesn't consider you a threat. You see, and so we, we've seen different circumstances and examples of controversy in Jesus' ministry throughout this series. And some of us don't like controversy. Uh, some of us don't ever want to come up against controversy. We don't want to be anywhere around it. We don't want our name attached to any kind of controversy. And, and I just want to suggest that there is no real impact. There's, there's no storming the gates of hell in our city without some controversy. Like, what, what do you think the cross was? Like, you think it's some jewelry? Like, like, like it's some kind of celebratory thing. The, the Roman Empire used the cross as a way to torture those that they deemed a threat. And wherever Jesus went, people were threatened. The religious leaders were threatened by Jesus. He was upsetting their entire system, uh, just, just messing with it. He was overturning things, and, and they didn't like what Jesus was saying or doing. Demons were threatened by Jesus. Anytime he was in the presence of an impure spirit, it would start shrieking and shouting and cussing and screaming and rolling on. The demons knew better who Jesus was than the teachers of the law did. The demons saw Jesus and they fell down at his feet. The religious leaders saw Jesus and they crossed their arms to judge him. 
I'll say it this way. If, if hell is not threatened by us, we're not doing it right. I sometimes wonder, would we maybe be a little bit better off being more like the demons than religious leaders? Because the demons at least knew this guy's in charge. The, the demons at least knew that when he showed up, hey, he's the one with all the power. At least the demons knew he's not average, he's not ordinary, he's not common, but that this is the son of God. I wonder, do we really regard Jesus as the supreme authority in our lives or is he just some accessory? This is, this is Jesus. And so now we come to this parable, and, and Jesus would often teach in parables. And Mark puts some of these parables together for us in chapter 4 of his gospel. Now keep in mind, Mark is not putting them in chronological order. Uh, he, he's giving us a curated account of the ministry of Jesus. He's building what he thinks is the most appropriate and best accurate picture of the purpose of the ministry of Jesus. And so now we come to Mark chapter 4, and, and Jesus is teaching about the nature of God's kingdom and of our faith. And maybe you've heard of the parable uh, of the different types of soil that Mark actually starts chapter 4 with. And, and he's getting into this idea that, that there's always seed being thrown out, that Jesus is always speaking. Stop asking him to speak and start listening. It's the weirdest thing we pray. God, speak to me. Speak. Would you please speak? Can you please speak if we, if we would just be quiet and listen? And so this, this seed is going out, and, and your Bible, Bible, probably like mine, calls this the parable of the sower. But I would say it's actually really the parable of the soils because it's really about our hearts. It's about our souls, our emotions, our mind, our spirit. And, and it says that, Jesus says that some seed falls on the path and birds come and snatch it up. Some of y'all got some seed snatchers in your life. Like people who come and steal your joy. It's not even 9.30 in the morning, they're ruining your day. Some of us have, have a big old stash of seeds in our lives that we've never actually put in the ground because we've become professional seed collectors. I know how to highlight my Bible and take notes and memorize things and passages, but I've never put them into practice in my life. And all that is is, is untapped potential. Wouldn't it be sad if one day Jesus showed us in heaven all the seed that we sat on here on earth? The scripture says don't merely listen to the word, but do it. Because listen, you're not blessed by the word that you hear, but by the word that you do. And when we constantly think, well, I've got to know more, I've got to know more. Can I just tell you something? I, I already know enough. Here's just a few examples. I already know that I shouldn't talk bad about people. If, if I could just do that, I already know that, that I should consider others more important than myself and, and put that, I already know that. And a lot of us, oh, we constantly want to know more. I need more knowledge. I need to know more so that I can grow spiritually. Listen, if you would just do what you know, you would grow. Because spiritual growth can be a tricky concept because uh, we, we tend to think that I need more knowledge in order to grow spiritually. But can I just suggest that perhaps spiritual growth has more to do with experience than knowledge? For instance, for those of you that are parents, and I know that I can't see you, but, but I know that you know this is true. The reality is, is you had more knowledge about parenting before you ever had kids. 
Because you read the books and you did the things and you, you, I can't begin to tell you how many times my wife and I said before, when we have kids, before we had them, when we have kids, our kids are never going to have devices in front of them. In pu- Look at that family over there. They're sitting at the, at the restaurant and their kids got devices out. We were never going to, I can't tell you, I don't have enough devices to get out in front of my kids right now. But I had so much information. I, I knew all the things. You ever notice that the people who are the quickest to give advice are the, the people with just the most information but with the least amount of experience? Now, what I would do if it were me, it, 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 I, I know not you, but, it, but what I would do, I'm not judging you. I'm just saying. That, that, okay, I, some of y'all think I'm crazy. I'm going to get back to what we're doing. It says that this farmer. This farmer put the seed into the ground. He didn't put it away somewhere else. He put it in the soil. Verse 27, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. So this farmer experiences the growth and maturation of the seed, even though he does not know how. Now, what kind of farmer is he? He doesn't know how. Google it. What do you mean you don't? Look, I can do a little bit of research and find out a seed needs some light. It needs some water. It's got to be planted in the right environment. It's got to be in the right place. I can tell you how. I can explain it to you. And, and, and so if, if the scriptures use this parable, and by the way, a scripture is always helping us. It seems like one thing on the surface, but it's always helping us understand something deeper underneath it. If the parable that Jesus is using to help us understand the kingdom of God, we would be expecting something spectacular in this moment because the kingdom of God was a new concept. No one else was talking about this before Jesus did, and so they weren't familiar with this idea. Jesus is going to give them some earthly illustration, but when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he doesn't say it's like Wakanda. Like he, he, he doesn't say it's this, this big, huge uh, thing that you'll never be able to wrap your mind around. Jesus says, hey, it's, and I imagine that this probably felt so anticlimactic to the people who were there that day. Instead, Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a seed. And, and, and on this statement alone, we get that often what Jesus wants to do in our lives can feel insignificant. And it will often go into the soil where it becomes invisible. And a lot of the times when Jesus is working in our lives in the greatest ways, we won't even know what he's doing. And so we're going to feel ignorant about it. That's three things about the kingdom of God I want you to write down right now. It often feels insignificant. It often appears invisible. And we often feel ignorant. In fact, the, the greatest proof of your growing relationship is sometimes the fact that you don't feel like you're in a growing relationship with Jesus. And I'm sorry to all of those who feel like every single time you need goosebumps to know that Jesus is with you. But sometimes the greatest growth is not going to happen, happen on the surface of your emotions and your feelings or, or your sense. Sometimes the, the deeper work that Jesus wants to do is more important than the high. I mean, what's the building without the foundation? And Jesus says, my kingdom is like this. It's, it's something so small, seemingly insignificant, and it goes through stages that are so invisible. And a lot of times we're going to feel ignorant about what is going on. Like, like the farmer puts the seed into the ground, and he doesn't know when he's going to see it again. Sure, he can water it. 
You, you, can, you can plow the ground. You can do the work because there is a part that we have to play in our relationship with Jesus. But there's another element of faith that I want to talk about today that I don't think we hear about enough. And I want to hear about it because I see a lot of us and we're listening to cute sermons and we're being told to do these big things like we've got to forgive one another. We've got to be free from addiction. And we're speaking all of these things and, and all these lofty ideas from the pulpit are being espoused. But I think everyone's looking at and saying, how? You, 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 you're telling me to do what, but I don't know how. I don't know how. I don't know how to read my Bible. I, I don't know how to pray for more than 13 seconds without thinking about what I'm eating later today. Come on, right now, whoever you would just say, I don't know how. By the way, that's the most spiritual thing you've said all week. Who, who did Jesus pick to be his disciples? religious professionals with, with some academic know-how? No. Who did, who did God choose to carry his son? In fact, what was the first thing Mary said when the angel showed up to her and said, hey, the one born of you is going to be the holy one of God? How? What was the first thing the disciples said to Jesus when he said, hey, you see these 5,000, 10,000 people right here? I need you to feed them even though we didn't plan for that and you didn't prepare for that. How? And I think that that's the starting place of spiritual growth is to admit, I don't know how. I, I don't know how to raise these kids. I did before I got them, but now they're here, and, and I read the book, and, and the baby book, and the parenting book, and it said that if, if I would just swaddle my child, it would stop crying, and some of y'all figured out your firstborn child was unswaddleable, and you didn't know what to do. I don't know how, and I, and I hear you preaching all these great sermons. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Don't look at the wind. Don't look in the waves, but how do I keep my eyes fixed on somebody that's invisible? I hear what you're saying, and I want what you've got, but I don't know how. Listen, how many of y'all don't know how today? I just want to know who I'm preaching to. Listen, if you've got it all figured out and you know how, maybe this isn't, isn't for you. I, I don't know how to forgive somebody and keep an appropriate distance from them so they can't hurt me again. I just don't know how. And so here's a farmer who, who doesn't know how to make a seed grow. And Jesus says it's like that, growth is like that. There's a part that you will play and that you will know how to do. You can sow, you can water, you can plow, but you don't have to know how. And listen, that's the secret of God's kingdom that religion wants to keep you from. Religion wants to tell you that Jesus picks and chooses and blesses those who are experts in the epitome of perfection. But let me tell you who Jesus is looking for. Peter, the fisherman. Uh, Rahab, the, the, the prostitute. People who don't know how, that's who Jesus is looking for, humble people. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, not those who are full of their own wisdom that they can't get full of his wisdom. So if you're listening today and you have an I don't know how heart, listen, I promise you, Jesus will fill up the thing that you empty before him. I don't have to know how. I don't have to know how all of this works. Listen, I don't have to understand how cameras work and record and live streaming and somehow I'm here and somehow you're in your home and you can see it. I, don't under, I have an inkling of maybe how some of that works, but I don't have to understand. I use an iPad. 
I use an iP- I type my notes on an iPad. I preach from an iPad. I, don't, I understand that there's a button I hit on here that turns it on, and, and there are some letters that I can press, and I want to type, but I don't understand how those letters get onto the screen, but that doesn't stop me from using it to preach. I wonder if there's someone listening today who's thinking, I don't know how. Jesus, I'm not prepared for this. Jesus, I didn't get trained for this. Jesus, I've never been this way before. Jesus, this is new to me. I feel like I don't know what I'm doing, but you don't have to know how when you know who. And in the same way with Jesus' kingdom and the way that he works, he wants to do something in and through me, and I don't have to understand all of it. I don't have to know how. All I have to do is sow. Don't let what you don't know keep you from sowing. The, the farmer didn't know how it would happen, but he knew what to do. I got to keep sowing. I got to keep praying. I got to keep believing. I got to keep showing up. I got to be in this house. I got to be present. I got to keep, so- come on, turn to whoever you're with right now and say, you don't have to know how. Jesus said, listen, I'll make you fishers of men. All I need is your boat. All I need is your will. All I need is your want to. All I need is your surrender. All I need is your obedience. But some of you have stopped sowing because you don't know how. But you don't have to know how. Come on, say it again. You don't have to know how. You could be like Abraham who left Ur and did not know where God was calling him to, but he didn't have to know how because he knows who. And listen, it's not just one text, but it's the, it's the principle of this parable. The kingdom of God is like a man who went out and sowed. Notice that there is a part that you play. But once you do what you know how to do, there's a point that you reach. Listen, you can't make it rain. And you can't control the rate of the growth of the seed. And there are so many of us who will hear this and you're waiting to know before you sow. And that's out of order. And as much as I, I, I want to preach to you theologically, I, I just want to minister to you personally. Listen, it, it's let the dirt do its work. Because the greatest growth didn't happen when the farmer was doing his work, but when the dirt was doing its part. Because there's a cooperation that happens in our lives between what I can do and what I can't do. Listen, I can plant, I can water, I can sow, I can speak words of encouragement and life. I can invest my resources into the kingdom of Jesus. I can do all of that. But the part that produces the fruit is not attributed to the farmer in the passage. And I think we tend to fail into, fall into some extremes that either I think it's all about me or it's only all about Jesus. But in this passage, the farmer scatters but the soil produces. And the crazy secret of the kingdom of God is that your destiny will be revealed in the dirt. Okay, what, what, what in the world do I mean? Here's what I mean. That in disappointment, insecurity, rejection, and in trouble, and in all those difficult times, listen, it would be, it would be an excellent lesson if right here on its own, I demonstrate some principles that apply to any part of our lives. And right here, I could just tell you, hey, you should make some lemonade out of lemons. No matter how many times you fall down, you should get back up. I can literally say anything that I want, and the principle would be powerful, but this is not just a principle, it's a parable. And the parable is a picture that appears simple on the surface, but, but it carries a deeper meaning. See, many of us look at this parable and we see Jesus as the farmer and the seed is his word. But Jesus cannot be the farmer. 
Because the farmer doesn't know how. See, Jesus is the wisdom of God. So, so to compare Jesus to the farmers, to miss the parable, and to miss the principle that's, that's beneath it, the principle is this, don't let what you don't know stop you from sowing. But the parable is a picture that Jesus is pointing to something that has not happened yet. Because everyone around him, his inner circle, who Jesus has just recruited in Mark chapter 3, everyone around him is trying to keep him from the cross. They're trying to keep him from, the, from his death because they see it as the death of a movement that he came to start. And so when he stood before the judges, both the Jewish leaders and the Roman rulers, he was silent. Everything inside of the disciples wanted to see Jesus come down from the cross to avoid being buried in the grave. But Jesus stood before Pilate and allowed the accusations to be heaped on him even though he was innocent because he knew the dirt had a purpose to fulfill. And so he stood before those who accused him, condemned him, and sentenced him to death. He could have stopped it. He could have called a legion of angels to his defense, but this is what he came for. He, and he said it with his silence, let the dirt do its work. Because if they accuse me, my heavenly Father will not have to accuse you. So I will take your accusations. I will take your shame. I, the innocent one, will absorb your punishment so you, the guilty, can go free. I will take your place so that you can take my place. So he let them heap on accusations. He took it. And when he died and they buried him in the ground, he didn't resist the burial. Instead, he stayed dead for three days and let the dirt do its work. You thought you were attending a funeral, but what it was was an agricultural lesson. Jesus wasn't buried on Friday. He was planted on Friday. And if he was planted, that means there's a promise of resurrection and harvest. He's the firstborn among many brethren. So when they laid him in the grave, it wasn't the end. It was just the beginning. So I came to declare to everybody today who's going through failure or depression or disappointment or rejection, let the dirt do its work. Don't run from it. Don't hide from it. Don't pick up the seed because you don't like the season. But let the dirt do its work. I mean, this is the gospel of Jesus. This is what his kingdom is like. There's, no, there's nothing that man can do that Jesus cannot use for his good. And I, listen, I believe that. I believe that all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I don't have to know how. I don't have to know how because I know who. And the emphasis in Romans chapter 8 verse 28 is not on the things that all things work together for the good. The emphasis is not on good, because it might not feel good, and, and I might not know that it's good while I'm in the middle of it. The emphasis is on the fact that I am called, that I love Jesus, that I'm called according to his purpose. So his purpose is the promise to let me know that it might seem insignificant, that to me it's invisible, and I can't see it, and I don't know how, but I know who. Come on, let's take 30 seconds right where you are and give Jesus the best and the loudest praise 
him because he's good. I don't have to know how. I just have to know who. Come on, somebody. Lift up your voice right now and give Jesus the prayer. And listen, I want to speak resurrection over every person who's in a season of depression. You're in a season of failure. You're in a funk. You thought that you were headed to the grave, but come on, it's Sunday and there's resurrection for you. Come on, wherever you are, in your home, in your living room, in your kitchen, downtown Charlottesville, Crozet, Science, Crossroads, Louisa, come on. I'm standing here calling out wherever you live. It's in your house. You can see it. I don't know how. Somehow I'm preaching this word, and it's getting into your heart, and it will not return void, but it will accomplish what Jesus set out to do because he said, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are greater than your thoughts. I don't have to know how. I've just got to sow. I don't know how I'm going to make it, but I don't have to know how. I don't know who, I don't have to know who Jesus is going to use to get me through. It might, it might be manna that, that falls from the sky. It might be a widow at Zarephath that feeds me. It could be a little boy's lunch who I didn't even count in the population who helps feed everybody. Listen, the seed always looks small. He might use a little thing. But I don't have to know how. Some of you are stuck because you need to know too much. You need to be perceived as somebody who knows and and because of that you remain in darkness. You want to be perceived as knowing things. But listen, the soil represents uncertainty. And I think every now and then it's good for us to hear a word where the farmer admits, I don't know how. If you had to call somebody, if you had to call somebody who just lost their child, a loved one, marriage just fell apart, as I, as, as I often do. You, you're not going to rush to tell them how. Say, Jesus is going to get you through. I, I don't know how, but what I do know is I, is I pray right now in, in Jesus' name, that's a who that he would send his angels, that's a who, to surround you. So I pray and I sow and I scatter and some seed gets snatched, some get scorched, some get strangled. The temptation is when the seed is scattered but it doesn't produce, you never wanna sow again. You prayed and the cancer still ate their body. What's to make you ever want to pray again? And so you stopped sowing. You stopped expecting. You had a funeral and you, you stopped expecting a harvest. The business failed. You got confused about the difference between what your job is and what Jesus' job is. Listen, obedience is the job of the farmer. Jesus is not the farmer, he's the seed. He is the seed of God and he was planted in the soil of the earth for three days and his resurrection gives us an expectation that I don't have to understand all the events of my life. I sometimes think it's better that we don't know. It's better not knowing than thinking that we're the seed and we're the source, that somehow I can make any of this work. 
And I pray today that, that you'll be able to take something away. That this has been helpful. I pray that, this, that you'll receive this personally because it's all about the soil. And if this seed, listen to me, if this seed gets snatched or scorched or choked out, it'll be as though it was never sown in the first place. It's just another seed, just another pep talk, just another Bible lesson. But if you receive it, listen to me, I'm telling you that Jesus will set you free from the expectation to understand everything. Listen to me, obedience is your job. The outcome belongs to Jesus. Let him do his job. Let him do his job. Come on, stand up right now wherever you are. Some of you are in the dirt stage of your dream. You know what the first thing that happened to Joseph when God gave him a dream? He had immediate success and everybody loved him. No. Oh, well, well he must have gotten online and immediately had a bunch of followers in his pit. No, 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 no. He got thrown into a pit. He got sold into slavery. Every dream needs some dirt. All of our faith needs a little bit of fertilizer all by itself. Listen to me. The dirt produces grain. So water it, plow it, put, get your heart right, but you got to let the dirt do some work. Let the confusion, the insecurity, the rejection do its work. Jesus is not the author of confusion. He, he will use what this world meant for evil for the saving of many lives. Let the dirt do its work. Listen, someone needs to hear that today. Right now, if that's you. And if you're okay admitting you don't have it all together, if you're in a situation where you don't know how, you don't know how it's going to come together, you don't know how it's going to work out, I don't know how I'll do what I'm supposed to do. If that's you, I just want you to lift your hands right now. Just lift them right where you are. Lord, whoever's lifting their hands right now, I pray that you'll see it. Because they're declaring right now that they don't know how. And I believe, Jesus, that you will honor that. You said if we'll humble ourselves, you would lift us up. Come on, let, let us line up our hearts with you today. Part of this process, part of our faith, our families, our goal. Listen, we don't know how some of us stand at the crossroads and we don't know what's coming next. I, I don't know how to get married. I don't know how to stay married. God, I don't know how, but I know who. I believe that you are who you say you are, and I declare by your spirit, I will rise like a seed planted in the earth. I will rise. I believe in resurrection. I don't know how, but I know who. Listen to me, with your hands still raised, let me tell you something. Resurrection is not an event. It's a person. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. So if you have a situation in your life that needs to be resurrected, you don't have to know how, you don't have to understand it. All you have to know is who. I've got your word, Jesus, I've got faith. Listen, Jesus said, if you had faith,
the size of a mustard seed. You can look at that mountain that's staring you in the face, that situation, that depression, that anxiety, that loss, that hurt, that pain. Jesus said, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could speak to it and say, mountain, you jump into the sea and that mountain would move away from you. So whatever you're facing, whatever your circumstance, I pray today in Jesus' name that you'll have faith enough to declare you don't know how, but you know who. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Listen, say it with me. I don't have to know how if I know who. In fact, right now, right where you are, let's just honor this moment. If in this moment, maybe for the first time in your life, or maybe for the first time in a long time, you want to respond to the gospel. You want to say, I want to put my faith in Jesus. Right now, I want to give us an opportunity to do that. So every head bowed, every heart open. If that's you today, if you want to receive, if you want to place your faith in Jesus, I'm just going to say a prayer. And I want everyone, no matter who you are, no matter where you're watching, for the sake of everybody who wants to make a decision today, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. And listen to me, if you say this with faith, if you believe in your heart, that Jesus died for your sin and that God raised him from the dead. Listen to me, the good news of the gospel is that you'll be saved. So church, let's pray this. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I declare that I need you. I declare that I'm a sinner in need of grace. And I believe, Jesus, that you lived you died, you were buried, and on the third day, you were resurrected to defeat sin, to defeat the grave, that you are the resurrection and the life, and that in your name, and by placing my hope and my faith in you, I am born again today. Today is a new beginning. I am a new creation. Come on, church. Right now, lift up a shout of praise for every single person who's walking in the new life right here, right now, today. Jesus, you're good. Jesus, you're great. You are the way, the truth, and the life. You are resurrection and life. We place our faith and our hope in you today. Jesus, we love you. Come on, everybody said amen and amen. Here's what I want you to do right now. Listen, if you made that decision today, whether it's for the first time ever or maybe for the first time in a long time, there's a little button that you can click that says, hey, that's me today. The worst thing you could do would be inspired to make change and then not take a step of faith to do anything about it. So hit that button, let us know, because we would love to connect with you and let you know what some next steps are in your faith journey with Jesus. And we'd love to come alongside you, pray for you, encourage you, and support you in that decision. Amen.
Woo, church is so good to be with you today. I wish I could, wish I could be in the room with you. Y'all got me fired. You weren't even with me in the, in the room, but y'all got me fired up today. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to finish our, our time together today with an opportunity to give our tithes and our offerings. Now, listen, if you're new with us and you're just checking us out, listen, I want you to hear from me. We don't want anything from you. In fact, we just hope that this worship experience is our gift to you, that you've been encouraged. In fact, right now, you can just even invite people. Tell them to join you next week. But listen, if you call Skyline your home, all we ever ask is that you ask Jesus what you should give and then just be obedient because we know that on the other side of obedience, there's blessing for you and for your family. There's two really easy ways for you to give right now in this season. You can go to our website, skylinechurch.cc. You can go online and give there. You can also give right from your smartphone. You can text the amount you want to give to 84321 and just follow the prompts from there. Now, church, let me tell you what your generosity is doing. The past two weeks, we have had our Thursday night food truck buyout, and we have had people lined up, drive-through style, in our parking lot, giving away free meals to people who are in need. We've got another one lined up this Thursday, the Thursday after that. Come on, we're gonna keep meeting needs. We're gonna keep helping people. We're gonna keep loving our city. Listen, what the enemy meant for evil, Jesus is using for the good and for the saving of many lives. So come on, when you're generous, when you're faithful, when you're consistent, the church can be faithful and generous to our city. So I wanna encourage you right now, give online, be generous. Help us meet needs in our city in this unique and trying season for so many of us. Know that we're praying for you. We love you. If you have a need, let us know. Direct message us on social media. Listen, follow us on social media. Get updated there. We love connecting with you online. Church, we love you. Listen, I just want to speak a blessing over you right now. You can put your hands up like this. We'll close with this. I pray that our Heavenly Father would send His presence before you. He would go behind you and all around you. That He would bless you, He would keep you, and He would cause His good face to shine upon you until we gather together again in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week, everybody. We love you. We'll see you next Sunday at 11 a.m. Bye.